morning. Hello. All right, can I have everybody stand with me this morning? We're going to open up with a declaration. The sword of the Spirit is the word of God coming out of your mouth. That's how we defeat the plans and purposes of the enemy. So I would like you to repeat after me. The Lord, the Lord is going to get his way today. Now all at once, the Lord is going to get his way today. Amen. Have a seat. Amen, amen, amen. Okay. Wonderful. Okay, so this morning I want to talk about faith, but before we get there, I want to lay a little bit of a foundation. So we're going to do a little bit of teaching in the beginning. So if you've got your Bibles, pull them out. We are going to be going through Exodus 16 for a short period of time. And get ready to take notes, because we want to receive the word God gives, we want to steward it, and we want to see it happen in our lives. So while you're getting set up, I'm going to go ahead and get to Exodus 16. And if you need something to write on for whatever reason, there's always paper in front of you, in the pew in front of you, and a pen. Okay, Exodus 16, 4 through 5 says this. Then the Lord said to Moses... Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather it a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. Let's stop there. Okay, so God's saying, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to bring provision, but here's the deal. You go out and gather a certain amount. You don't leave any leftovers. On the sixth day, you're going to gather twice as much because the seventh day, the Sabbath, it's a special day. It's not a normal day. And then it says, on the seventh day, you can't gather anything. So he gives these these, these ground rules, and Scripture says he is saying this to test them to see if they'll obey, obey his word. Let's keep going. Exodus 16, and now we're going to read 16 through 18. And 16 through, uh, sorry, 15 through 18. And it says this, The Israelites were puzzled when they saw it. What is it? They asked each other. They had no idea what it was. And Moses told them, It is the food the Lord has given you to eat. These are the Lord's instructions. Each, each household should gather as much as it needs. Pick up two quarts for each person in your tent. So the, so the people of Israel did as they were told. Some gathered a lot and some gathered a little. But when they measured it out, everyone had just enough. Those who gathered a lot had nothing left over and those who gathered only a little had enough. Each family had just what it needed. They accepted this part. They received that instruction. They accepted it. Okay. The next thing we see is in Exodus 20, 18 through 20. And it reads this. When the people heard the thunder and the loud blast of the ram's horn... And when they saw the flashes of lightning and smoke billowing from the mountain, they stood at a distance 
trembling with fear. And they said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but don't let God speak to us directly or we will die. Don't be afraid, Moses answered them, for God has come in this way to test you and so that you fear him and the fear of the Lord will keep you from sinning. This part, the people rejected. They didn't receive this part. God was coming so that he could have time with them. And they, they said, nope, we don't want that. Moses, you do that and you tell us what to do. So they rejected this part. Okay, let's go through this again, but a little bit deeper. From between Egypt and Canaan, so between bondage and the promised land, was this period of time where God was teaching the children of Israel He was wanting to teach them how to walk in the kingdom. So let's go through this again. He says, I'll provide for you every day. Take enough for that day. He says, in some translations, says, get your fill, but don't leave any till the next day. When Jesus came, he said he's the bread of life, the word of God made flesh. In the life of a believer, Every day, I'm supposed to be in that word, getting my fill. What does it mean when he says, don't gather up stuff for tomorrow? Don't be lazy. Don't think that you can spend time in the word today and be good for a week, be good for a month, be good for a year. He's saying, no, every day, the believer is supposed to be in the word, getting your fill daily. That was the manna. The next thing that Jesus showed was the presence and the voice. That's the part they rejected. That's the part that Moses walked in. In the life of a believer, you're supposed to have time in God's presence listening to his voice. Jesus, or sorry, God was trying to teach the children of Israel and prepare them because that is the foundations of what you need to walk in the kingdom the promised land, the land of promises. Your Bible is a promise. It's full of promises. Jesus, or God is teaching them, this is the foundation every day in the life of a believer. This is what walking in the kingdom looks like. If you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have said, yes, Lord, I am, I am going to walk in the kingdom of God. Are you tracking with me? I'm going to inherit. I'm going to learn how to walk in the promises of God. Okay, so he's using this as a model. That's why I'm using it this morning. Really interesting story. Some of you are probably familiar with it. In John 20, verse 23, after Jesus raises from the dead, he shows up to the disciples and he breathes on them. God appears, boop, and then he goes, now receive the Holy Spirit. That's what he says. He shows up, he breathes on him, he says, now receive the Holy Spirit. And he says, everywhere you go, teach the gospel of the forgiveness of sins. And everywhere you go, teach on the danger of rejecting that gospel. That's what he says. Here's why. Jesus taught his disciples What you receive from me depends on your acceptance or rejection of what I'm saying to you. Look at the children of Israel. They received 
part. They rejected the presence and the voice. They rejected that element of it. Not all of them. There was some that held on to the promises of God, but I'm getting ahead of myself. But I'm wanting you to understand the importance. When the word of God comes forth in your heart, you're either accepting it or rejecting it. And if you accept it, you receive its benefits. If you reject it, you don't get to walk in those benefits. I receive forgiveness when I repent and accept that Jesus forgives me. Now I'm forgiven and I'm not walking in bondage. And God says, if you don't forgive, I I can't forgive you. So my rejection keeps me in bondage. Are you tracking me? The the, The sword of the Spirit is when the word of God is coming out of my mouth and I am agreeing. I am accepting what God says as the standard of truth, and I'm declaring it. That's why that is so powerful. It's his words coming out of your mouth. You're partnering with it. Okay. Okay, so this is important. So I'm showing you uh, what the children of Israel did. I'm showing you as a model, because that's moving forward it's presupposed that that's how you're choosing to live your life. That every day, I'm in the word of God. It said whether they gathered a little or a lot, every need was met. So every day, I have to choose to get into the Bible and read, believing that God will meet my spiritual needs, will meet my needs that day. And every day, I'm supposed to spend time in his presence, learning how to hear his voice. God isn't coming back for a beautiful pastor. God is coming back for a beautiful bride. That means a body of Christ that is glorifying, that is radiating his glory. I'll say it easier. The body of Christ that's walking in the kingdom. They're walking in the fullness of who they were created to be. That's, what God, that's who God is coming back for. Okay. So, this is where, this is where the church can miss it, is when you have a body that receives the manna, but says no to the presence and the voice. They said, let that man go spend time in God's presence. Let that man go get the word of God and tell us, and we'll do it. Is that what God intended? No, God intended them to be in the presence. So what happened? They were in fear and in awe of God when they're at the base of the mountain, receiving the word of the Lord. Then they went back to camp, and they walked right back to their idols, Let's build a golden bowl. Let's do, these are horrible ideas. They went right back to it because they did not accept the fullness of what God was offering. So your acceptance or rejection, it determines what you get. I don't know about you. I'm walking in the fullness of what God's called me to do, created me for. I want to walk in it in greater levels. How about you? Your acceptance or rejection, it determines that. So, Okay, let's talk about this. Years ago, starting out getting used to being in God's presence, 
getting used to spending his time in his word, I just fall asleep. Come on, you've done it too. That is, when you start out, especially if you open to like Leviticus and you're like, the blood of an ox was sprinkled on the dove and you're like, what is happening? You know, pass out. Um, I learned something. In God's presence, oh, that changes everything. When I am going to be spending time with my wife, she's a person. She's not a responsibility. Depending on how you view God, your time with him is going to be a chore or it's going to be a choice. Spending time with my wife is a choice. I look forward to it. I'm in a hurry to get to that part of my day where I can spend time with her. I'm in a hurry to get there, and I'm really slow to leave. That's how we should chase God. Moses was in his presence, so he heard the voice. This is what can be missing in your life. Because everything the Israelites did was in obedience to what God said in his presence. The bread didn't spell it out for him. Do you see that? The written word, the logos, the standard of how we live. It tells you how to have a godly marriage, but it doesn't tell you who to marry. It tells you how to raise your kids, it tells you how to live a life of integrity when you're around others. It gives you instruction and principle and power. That's the logos. That's the word of God. God's word is double-edged. The other is the rhema. That's the spoken word of God. Peter's in the boat. Jesus is in the water. And he says, at your word, I will step out of the boat. And Jesus said, come on, Peter. That's different. That's the rhema. The people of Israel went off of what God was saying from his presence. He gave them the foundations for how to live and how to have community that is supposed to be lit, that is supposed to be lived in tandem with being in his presence daily. God's coming back for a beautiful bride. Everybody doing this in their own home. Everybody doing this in their own life. When you say yes to following God, that part is free. But walking in his kingdom every day, what I'm talking about this morning, costs you everything. It's a whole new way of thinking. It's a whole new way of speaking. It's a whole new way of living. You give up everything you knew for something new. It doesn't happen automatically. You get it automatically, but you unlock it and walk in it manually. It's a choice. You're supposed to live in that flow. I'm in his word with him, in his presence, and he's speaking to me through his word. He's giving me direction for what I'm supposed to do. This is what God was teaching them between Egypt and Canaan. Okay. Okay, I want you to write, I want you to write these things down. So, get ready. Uh, 
So that, that is walking in the kingdom. You cannot do that apart from faith. Everything I've just talked about, faith is needed. Okay, so I want you to write down this. I want you to write down Romans 12, verse 3. Romans 12, verse 3 tells us God has given each of us a measure of faith. Say, I have a measure of faith. There you go. That's Romans 12, verse 3. Habakkuk 2, verse 4. Write that down. This teaches us that the just shall live by faith. Are you the just? Yes. So you say, I shall live by faith. There you go. Okay, number 3. I want you to write down James 2, 17. James 2.17 says, faith without works is dead. Say, that ain't going to be me. Right? That is not going to be us. Okay, one last one. I want you to write down 1 Corinthians 2 verse 5. And in the Passion Translation, it says this. For God intended that your faith, say my faith, not be established on man's wisdom, but by trusting in his almighty power. Say, my faith is built on trusting him. That is how it's built. Okay, so everyone has faith. We're supposed to live by it, meaning every day your faith is mixing with something. It's moving. Because if it isn't, it is dead. And my faith is established by trusting in God. Okay, so let's look at, the, look, look, let's look at this template, the children of Israel, the promised land, the land of promises. Walking in the kingdom is learning how to walk in the promises of God. The, the spies, when they were sent out, you had a mixed batch. I think they all had faith for the promised land. But when they got there, they saw what? They saw giants and massive fruit. Giant obstacles, giant fruit. That's what they saw. And all of a sudden, that, that promise, the majority saw in the natural And they let go of the promise because they trusted in their own might and power. But faith isn't built on my wisdom of what can or can't be done. Faith is built in my trust in the almighty power of God. So the majority back off. There's giants. We can't, we can't touch that. The other two, they saw the promise and they held on. They did not let go. Talking about the promises of God's word. They had to receive it by faith and they had to wait. Their faith had to remain until they could walk in it. And when they were walking in it, they had to continue to hold on and live in it. Okay. They had to receive it by faith. They had to walk in it by faith. They had to remain in it by faith. That is the same for us today. I'll give you an example. Years ago, praise God this isn't the case anymore, I'd have terrible dreams, terrible nightmares, wake up in the middle of the night, 
paralysis, you know, where you're just like freaking out. That would happen. That would happen a lot. So I got into the word. And I pulled out Psalms 4, verse 8. I will both lie down in peace and sleep, for you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. Luke 10, verse 19. Behold, I have given you authority to trample on the serpents and the scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So I took a hold of the promises. I said, okay, by faith. I haven't walked in this yet. I haven't seen this yet. But by faith, I'm putting my trust in the almighty power of God who says he's given, domin- he's given me dominion over the serpent and the scorpions, demonic attacks, nightmares. He's telling me that by choosing him, I get to lie down, sleep in perfect peace every night. So what would happen was, is now I saw that by faith. I received those words, and when the enemy would wake me up in the middle of the night, Kim's your witness, I'll get up out of bed and go, nope, not in my house, for I've been given dominion over the serpent and the scorpions. That means, devil, you belong under my feet. God says, I will lie down and sleep in perfect peace. So I'm going to get back into that bed, and I'm going to get great sleep, and you're not going to rob me of it. And I did it again and again and again and again and again and again until I won. And praise God, at night, when this guy lays down, I lie down and sleep in perfect peace like a baby. And it's great. And when the devil comes, I just roll over and say, go. And then I roll back over and get a great night's sleep. I saw it by faith. I had to put my trust in God's power to back those words. And then I had to live in it and remain in it. Learning to pull the promises into my life. It's manual. You see that? Okay, let's keep going. Okay. Another one for you. I, uh, are you awake? Great, great. Okay, so years and years ago was my first full-time 40-hour week job. I was so excited. God provided in a huge way. It's my, my first month on the job. God provided the job in Iraq this way. He provided the car. Um, and so I get off my shift. I'm walking out to my car. Sunshine, happy thoughts. You know, it's a good day. My car's not there, but there's some glass on the ground. And I went, no. <laughs> I was not happy. And so ended up, my car had gotten <laughs> stolen while I was at work. So I went down to the police department. I'm filling out the report. And they said, sir, we're going to be honest with you. You work in such a high theft area for automotives. Your chances are, chances of you seeing this car again, zero. That ain't going to happen. But go ahead and fill out the report. So I filled out the report. I had a friend call me up. I shared with them what happened. And they said, okay, here's what you're going to do. I had a friend who was a pastor, and they had lost their car keys. And they knew that they placed them in the same spot every day. Like there was no confusion. And they declared, Lord, I have a job. I'm responsible. I'm responsible to get to that job. I need those car keys back now in Jesus' name. And they found them on their nightstand where they usually leave them, but they weren't there earlier. And they're telling me this story. And by faith, I went, okay. God can do that for you. He can do that for me. I'm already one step ahead. I have the keys. I'm just missing the whole car. 
And so, do you remember this, babe? I went out in our living room, and I was like, devil, God provided the money and the means for that car. He provided the job that I have been waiting months for, months, months for. (laughs) In Jesus' name, you bring me my car back now. I want it by tomorrow night. Done. Okay, so I could see it by faith. I received it by faith. But for the next hours, hours, the next day, I had to remain in faith. Midnight, the next night, I get a call. Hello, Mr. West, this is uh, LAPD. We have your car. Would you like to come pick it up? Yes, I would. I don't even think I changed. I went in my jammies. I got, I got a lift down there, went to the impound lot. I'm like, da, 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 yeah. Um, and I got my car back. And they went, the funny thing is, whoever took this from you wasn't planning on giving it back. I said, why is that? And he said, well, all their tools are in your car. You have a back seat full of mechanics tools. You have a front seat full of all their paperwork. You have a brand new low performance racing tire in your trunk. And I was like, that ain't going to look good on my Nissan. Nope. Uh, And it was just one. But the point was, he said, when they stole your car, they planned on keeping it. But they parked it in someone else's spot. And it got towed here. I was like, get used to it, devil. (laughs) Okay, so I was really excited because I was learning how to get a hold of this in my own life for myself. So my faith started to grow. That's what happens. Faith without works is dead. So when you're living by faith, when you're living by faith through obedience, your faith stays alive. But as it stays alive, it's meant to grow. Okay, so I'm at work. I'm driving into the city in my car. I don't name cars. Kim does that. Uh, But this car, after I got it back, heck, I named that car. I said, you're boomerang because you come back to me. (laughs) I was so excited. So I'm driving in my car. Got it back. This has been a couple years. I'm driving into the city to work. Pull up to a red light. About a dozen people pass in the crosswalk, one of which God highlights to me. That's the best way I can say it. I said, I'm supposed to talk to that lady. I'm in the city. It's a red light. What, is she going to like stand there in the middle of the intersection? I'm going to talk to her? I don't know. And so I go through the light. I park in my parking structure. I said, Lord, there's no way I could have gotten out of my car. Sorry that I missed that. But God, I said, would you give me another opportunity? I'm walking across the street, and there's my building. I work in an office building. I work on one of the top floors. So she's down there at the base of the building. I'm like the big hero of the faith that I am. I walked right past her into the building up to my desk, sat down, and was like, oh my gosh, I doubled down. I'm sorry, God, will you please forgive me? Would you give me another chance? And so I leave work that night. I'm walking out to my car, and she's standing at the light. And I'm standing there. She's standing there. And I'm going, okay, God, you said it's not by might or by power, but by my spirit. So God, Give me something by your spirit. What am I supposed to do? Because now the sign says cross, and I'm not crossing, and this feels really weird. And God, I, I did hear, and God did say, tell her I'm the only way. And I sit there, and I hesitate. An Uber comes, picks her up. She leaves. I walk across the street, and I'm feeling like super down. And I get to my car. I say, God, I missed it. 
can I please get another chance? I really want to get this right. I felt bad that night. I get back to work the next day, and I'm like, I'm going to do this. I don't care who it is. I'm just going to bam. Well, not like that, but you know what I mean. Like, I'm just going to, I'm going to go for it. I'm using my faith. So I'm walking out of the building on my way to my car. I look through. The building that was across from us was the Scientology building. And inside, sitting at the reception desk, is that lady. And so I said, at this point, I'm just like, free. I'm like, we're going for this. So I go in the building. I said, ma'am, I'd love to talk to you. Can you step outside real quick? And so she gets up. She steps outside. I said, listen, I'm a Christian. I'm learning how to hear from God. And God wanted me to tell you that he's the only way. I didn't even think I said I'm a Christian. I think I was so nervous. I said, God told me, yeah, this is probably more accurate. God told me to tell you that he's the only way. Bye. And I left. You don't get this stuff automatically. You learn it manually. That's what's happening right now. Gears are grinding. Uh, and so I walk across the street, and God says, Jake, go back. I said, why? He said, you said, God told me to tell you, Jake, a lot of people breathe in a lot of different gods. But do you want me to go back in there and clarify that it was you, Jesus? Yes. Like, Turn back around. I'm walking towards the building, and she's looking at me. I'm like, this must be the most interesting day of her life because it's the most interesting day of mine. And I opened it. I said, ma'am, you're going to laugh. But I got down the street and God said to come back and tell you who he was. His name is Jesus Christ and he is the only way. And I turned around and I left. And I looked back at the building and on the top of the building, it says the way to happiness. No. God is the way to happiness. And for me, it confirmed it in my spirit. I said, I did it. Praise God. I lit a fuse. I lit a fuse. It's a process of learning how to walk in it. Okay, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Okay, so I work two jobs. I'm a pastor, bivocationally. I also work in the entertainment industry. I get a job on a show for a TV series, and a month into the job, God speaks to me in the night, wakes me up, and tells me, okay, at the end of this job, you're going to get three offers. Say no to the first two. Take the third one. It's like a month into the job. And so I said, okay, I know what you sound like. I'm learning how to obey, so I know what's coming, and my Faith is built on trusting in your almighty power to provide. So, okay, the job winds down. And it was like, I think it was like a week before I wrapped. And I get a call on the phone. My job's ending in a week. I get a call on the phone. Someone I worked with, and they're running a show right now. And they say, hey, I have a show. I want you on it. Two years of guaranteed work. No testing, no qualifying, you're a shoe-in. We want to bring you right in. Let me give you some perspective. One job for me is six months. Working in TV, I work six months. So I work for four months, and the last two, I'm looking for my next job. Six months is a normal job for me. This is two years of guaranteed work. That's four jobs. Guaranteed pay. And it wasn't a bottom-of-the-barrel offer either. What did God say? No. The first two, don't take them. Take the third. Okay, I'm going to give you a little bit more context. 
I have people that I know that I've learned from how to do business, how to negotiate, how to negotiate jobs, which one to choose, how to work with studios, how to deal with studios. So I have that side of it, of wisdom on how to navigate job transitions. Faith isn't built on man's wisdom, but trust in the almighty power of God. So I said no. And in the natural, if I would have talked to anyone I've learned business from, they would have said that was a fool's choice. But I live by faith. So I say no. I know that it's God speaking to me because I know his voice. And so I receive it by faith and I remain firm in that choice by faith. Second offer comes. Do you know how much it was, Tracy? The second offer? Four months. (laughs) So you get this and then the enemy's like, look what you missed. But what did God say? No. So I said no. Remaining in faith. My job is ended. Over. I need a job. But I'm remaining in faith. Third offer comes. <laughs> Game changer. It had nothing to do with the duration, but everything to do with the people I'd be working with. I got a job I was unqualified for that they brought me onto that was full of people who were light years ahead of where I was. Working in a level that I wasn't even at yet. I was the only person brought onto the crew that wasn't existing. Meaning, when the crew was fully staffed, it was the same crew from a previous project. I was the only person brought in that wasn't a part of that crew. And they poured into me, and God enabled me, and I went from working at one level to a whole nother level. And God blessed me incredibly because of it. Yeah, no, you praise God. God's amazing. Okay, so here's the deal. Your faith is dead if it's not working. It's intended to keep going. And it has to be faith in trusting in God's almighty power. Okay. Okay, let's go for, I got another one. Okay, so there's a company I do business with frequently. And one day, I have, a, I have a meeting, I go, I sit and meet with them, I'm home, I'm doing the dishes at night, and God gives me a word for the company, a prophetic word. Prophetic is what God sees as possible. That's what the prophetic is. And he gives it to me for this company, I'm like, oh my gosh, okay. So I boiled it down for someone who's not used to that sort of thing, And this is the first time I've done this with a business. So I say, okay, God, what am I supposed to do? I pray into it. I'm like, okay, I'll make it short and sweet. By faith, I received it. I knew that was from God for that business. So I received it by faith, and now I've got to walk in it by faith. So I get a hold of the owner. I said, hey, I'd like to call you, because I can't come in today, but I'd like to call you. I have something to share with you. So I call him up, and I say, listen, this is what God showed me, and I believe it's for your business. A prophetic word for your business, what God wants to do. 
and I shared it with them, and I left it at that. It's in their hands now. I'm, I'm delivering it. It's in their hands. And I see them occasionally, so time goes by, and I'm still seeing them. Four years go by. I come in. I'm meeting with the owner. And the moment I came in the door, a big element of the business had changed. And I noticed it right when I walked in. And I'm sitting there. The owner comes out. We're talking. And he goes, hey, do you remember that you called me four years ago? And you prayed for me on the phone? I said, sure do. I think about that a lot. And he goes, well, it's taken some time. He points over to the change. And he goes, it's taken some time, but we're getting there. I said, praise God. Keep going. It's a faith walk for you to walk in your own personal life. Okay, so we talked about it's pulling the promises of God. And I gave you scripture for the car situation. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The receptionist, write down Isaiah 50, verse 4. God says he promises to wake you morning by morning and give you a word for the weary in due season. That is that promise that was pulled into my life. Isaiah 61, 1. He has sent you to bind up the brokenhearted and proclaim liberty to the captives. That is the promise that I pulled into my life by faith. For the jobs, Proverbs 3, 6 through 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will make straight your path. He will tell you where to go. That's the promise I pulled into my life. The Holy Spirit, the gifts of prophecy, that's a promise we pull into our lives. We have to see it by faith in the word. We have to by faith receive it and then now by faith learn how to walk in it. And sometimes gears kind of grind because you're learning. But when you say yes to walking in the kingdom of God, you're saying yes to all of that. Yes. Pastor Ryan does a great job. He comes up here and he reminds us, it's not just your ticket to heaven. It's not just the manna daily. It's being in the presence. It's hearing the voice. It's walking in the fullness of the kingdom of God. Can I have everybody stand up, please? Pastor Nick. Jesus showed up to the disciples. He breathed on them. 